Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. We do it on unit turns. And since all your people are on month to month, you're just going to have to look in a spreadsheet and figure out what does your cash flow support in terms of frequency of doing those rent increases, knowing that you're probably going to have a lot of people move out depending on how much of an increase that is. Before we get into today's episode, I want to offer you a free service and a free gift. Yes, a free gift. You're a loyal best ever listener. You deserve free gifts. And it's from our best ever partner, Secure Pay One, the landlord helper. So are you a landlord or investor who's self-managing? Well, if you're self-managing, is that the best way to scale your business? And are you fulfilled by self-managing? Or would you rather be doing other stuff with your time? Like, I don't know, scaling your business, scaling your portfolio, making more money, bringing more rentals, rental income coming in because you're acquiring more properties. If you want to scale, if you're not getting fulfilled by self-managing, then here comes the free service, here comes the free gift. Linda Libatory, you know her, episode 714, I interviewed her about her best ever advice, talked to her about her company, which is the solution to your problem, Secure Pay One, the landlord helper. They handle the phone calls, they handle the rent collections, they handle late payment reminders, they handle the lease violation notices, everything from the text messages, reminders, all the way to collecting the ACH payments. Linda's team will help you scale your business, whether you've got 500 units or even a handful of units. Go to mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. That's mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. They're going to give you a free 30-minute goal strategy session. They'll give you free setup and the first 30 days free, mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. Again, if you are self-managing and you're not fulfilled by self-managing and you agree that there's a better way to scale your business, scale your investments, then go to mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. Take Linda and her team up on their generous offer of giving you a trial and a strategy session to see if it's right for you. MyLandlordHelper.com forward slash Joe. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is Follow Along Friday where we talk about our entrepreneurial ventures. I am with the co-host on Friday, Theo Hicks. Hello, Theo. How's it going, Joe? It's going well. And we've got an eclectic show today, all focused on real estate. We've got how to find the sources when looking up market 
data. We're going to talk about a mistake that Theo told me he made on a deal, I believe, that you're yep. working on. I don't know what it is. We're going to be talking about some listener questions that you have and also how we got our hands slapped for last week's episode and how I think that was good feedback and I'm glad we did get our hands slapped for the approach we took last week and how we're approaching it differently this week and moving forward. So with that being said, what do you want to tackle first? We've also wanted to mention a new resource we have on the website, a book list. Do we talk about that a little bit? Yeah, sure. I get questions a lot about what books do you recommend. So we decided to create an exhaustive book list. It's on joefairless.com and in one of the headers there's my recs or joe's recs Mm -hmm. just click that and you've got books for apartment investing that i've read books on mindset books on sales and negotiation and books on entrepreneurship all those four categories are relevant to what we do and those books again can be viewed at my website and just go to joe's recs and there's a bunch of books there perfect so let's jump into my mistake that I made so I can get that out of the way. <laughs> it's a very silly mistake, probably a rookie mistake, but right now I'm, I'm currently under contract for three four-unit properties, mm-hmm. and I underwrote the deals originally based off of the pro forma that the listing agent had oh. sent me. I know. And I was sent the Schedule E and the leases after I had under contract, and I looked at him, and I realized that what they did is they took... Because each unit has two bedrooms and two one-bedrooms. And the rents that they use in the pro forma were, were the highest rents for the one-bedroom and the highest rent for the two-bedrooms. So the two-bedroom that was rented at the highest and the one-bedroom that was rented at the highest was the rent they had listed on the pro forma, which is what I used for my calculations. So I looked at the leases and I was like, wait a minute. These rents are getting even close to what they said they were on the pro forma. And so I guess the advice would be, and this is an obvious advice, but don't underwrite based off of the performer. Make sure that you either look at the Schedule E or the T12, trailing 12, I believe. Current rent roll. Yeah, the Schedule E wasn't necessarily a current rent roll or a financial statement. It was yeah. just their tax form. Yeah. And so it just had how much income they had coming in through rent, plus all their expenses for the year, but it wasn't broken out on a month-by-month basis. But yeah, a rent roll, if it's a large property, but for mine, I just looked at the leases and saw that they were... All lower now the plus is that all the rents that are below the highest number are all month to month mm. and so I guess transitioning I had a question for you today I think this can apply to all real estate but mm. when you're buying a large multifamily property or a small property that's got multiple units how do you go about raising the rents without overwhelming yourself with a bunch of vacancies or things like that We do it as soon as we take over a property. By the way, we just closed on a property this past Friday. That's another kind of cool thing. Oh, congrats. Yeah, thank you. And how we do it immediately as soon as we close, our management team is outside the gate. We give them the okay, and then they come into the property, and they immediately start renovating the vacant units. They also start working on any... CapEx projects that the lender requires, but that's a separate thing. So we immediately renovate the vacant units, and then once we have those renovated, we're able to start charging a premium and start testing our hypothesis of what type of premium rents we can get for the property. 
Now, if we have people living there, so in your case, you've got, what, 12, 12 units. units, so you probably have them all filled. Mm-hmm. Okay. In that case, we do it on unit turns, and since all your people are on month to month, you're just going to have to look in a spreadsheet and figure out what does your cash flow support in terms of frequency of doing those rent increases, knowing that you're probably going to have a lot of people move out, depending on how much of an increase that is. With our properties, they tend to be on 12-month leases. So we just do it on unit turns. Okay. When your lease is up, you have the option of staying and living in a nicer apartment or you have the option of moving out depending on what you want to do. And if they decide to stay, we're able to renovate the unit in three to five days depending on the extent of the rehab. Mm -hmm. But we've got a well-oiled machine on a couple thousand apartments on a 12 unit, I imagine you'll have, you have a property management company? Uh, No, I'm managing myself. Okay, you're managing it yourself. But your plan is not to renovate the units, it's just simply hold serve and... Yeah, so currently the units themselves, they're fine. Every single unit is basically the exact same. They're all the exact same counters, they're all the exact same cabinets, floors, everything is the exact same. It's just all the rents are different just because of previous property management. And so we're not gonna go in there and renovate anything. We're kind of confused as to how to approach trading the rents to market value because I mean, here's our plan. Our plan is to go one unit at a time, starting with one building, and like every month go to this person and say, hey, we're gonna raise your rents to 600 for the one bedrooms and 750 for the two bedrooms. And they say that's fine, then they can stay. And that they move out and we'll just clean it up and put someone in there right away. Yeah, but it's just a numbers game in addition to testing what response you're getting with those rents because it's an art and a science. You're going to deal with people who will immediately move out or you'll deal with people who are like, ah, I can't pay this, but I can pay this. So you'd be mm-hmm. willing to do that and you're just going to have to make a judgment call. So my recommendation would be to start with two units that are month to month, have that conversation with them, see if they both move out, okay, what does that do to your bottom line? Can you support that mass exodus to continue or do you need Mm -hmm. to rent those units and then move on to the next one? That's really all it is. I have the idea of doing two just because I know someone who owned the property in this area. I don't wanna get too much detail, but he had one unit vacant and he marketed it at rent higher than what I'm gonna market mine at and his is literally right on the corner. He had like 10 people respond and he was kind of choosing between three or four at the end. And so I was thinking, if we do that and I list the rent at the number one to get, and I've got you know, 12 people responding, I could technically have all 12 of those people take all the units that I have in there at a higher number. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I like the idea of doing two at first, testing it, and if we get a bunch of responses, either kind of put them in the back burner and say, hey, you know, if you don't need to move in for two months, I'll be mm-hmm. available for you in two months from now and then mm-hmm. raise someone else's rent and see if anybody else leaves. But now, that was just not an idea I was toying with. I didn't want to have all this demand and not be able to fill it because I'm keeping tenants that are paying a little bit less. Mm-hmm. Yep. And holy cow, Theo, pro forma. I know. Pro forma. <laughs> I know. I, 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 knew the, I knew the agent and I trusted him. I should have done that. Uh, well, we always need the current rent roll. We just yeah. go off of that. But they were off-market deals. They were hot. You had to act quickly and... The numbers still make sense, the, I guess. Yeah, the numbers still make sense. Okay. They still make sense. You'll be fine. It's yeah. 12 units. It's different if this was a 150 <laughs> unit and that mistake happened and you're doing this on a larger scale. 
So it's good to knock out the cobwebs with this one. I'm glad it still makes sense. Yeah. And when he closed in July, July eighth, there's some weird financing going on right now, so we might not likely close on two, and then we'll have to close on the third one like a couple weeks later, just based off of how this specific lender underwrites. And I think he said something along the lines of when you are buying a property in the process of buying it, he only takes into account 75% of the income mm. as income doing the debt to income ratio. But once you buy it, it's 100%. And so since we're doing three, he said the calculation comes out where we're going by two with our current income versus all three. Mm. And so I was kind of confused on that, but in July, we're going to be closing on these properties. Okay. And I know a listener slash a friend of mine slash an investor sent me an email to forward to you about his thoughts on your situation. Yes. One, did you reply to him? I did. Okay, good. So what he said is, I mentioned the podcast that me and Marcel, my girlfriend, are going to co-sign on all loans just for a alignment of interest, and that's just what we decided to do. He was saying is that when you do that, that counts as a loan for you and a loan for me. So it's not like it's half a loan for, for you, her, half a loan for, yeah. for me. Yeah, yeah. assuming you're, I'm talking to you right. as if you're Marcella. Yeah. <laughs> and so what he was saying is that it might make sense to put all the loans in her name mm. so that she'll have these three loans in her name, which means she has, for the specific lender, if you can do up to 10 loans, so she'd have seven loans left, and I'd have 10 full loans left. And what he was saying was that when he first started off, he was like, ah, psh, like it doesn't matter. We're not going to get 20 loans. But then once he got to the point where he needed 20 loans, he's like, man, I wish mm. I'd have done that. So that was his recommendation and unfortunately we're gonna have to both put our names on both of these for this round because we're already in the process and mm-hmm. it'll, it'll take too long to get the loans through but moving forward we're gonna put them in our in our individual names Good so, advice. so thanks for that advice yeah thanks john Wait. okay so now we've got a listener question about market data so the question wasn't about what the factors are that you look at but how do you find trustworthy information and so I guess I'll run through the factors that we look at. Correct me if I'm wrong anywhere. So we look at six different factors and we've got a spreadsheet that we put all these in. So number one, we look at unemployment, specifically the unemployment change over five years. And we look at population, specifically the population change over five years. And this is the city population that you're investing in, but also the overall MSA population. We also look at the population age to see who's moving here and who's leaving. So that's a five-year change as well. We look at job diversity. We want to make sure that there's not one industry that's dominating the job because obviously that happens and if that goes away, that market's in trouble. The biggest discrepancy I've seen is 18% in Dallas-Fort Worth makes up the largest industry, which is the lowest I've seen, and Las Vegas was 27 or 28% with hospitality. So I would prefer not to be above 23% or so, and I'm arbitrarily saying 23, so it's plus or minus, but just based on what I've seen across many markets, you want to be 23% or less with any one industry. That way, if that industry starts to tank, you've got other industries to pick up the slack and still have your residents employed. Yep. Then along that line, we look at the top 10 employers as well. It's similar to the job diversity, but it lets you know what the big employers are and you kind of compare that to where your property is and figure out who your tenant base is going to be. And then the last one, number six, is supply and demand. So we look at the vacancy rates. So again, for all these, you look at the actual number for the most recent year, but then we want to look at the five-year change as well to see if it's trending up or down. And then finally, we look at the number of five-plus unit permits that were submitted that year to see how many 
building they're being made. So the vacancy is kind of the demand, and then the supply would be the number of units created. Now, where do we get this data from? So for most of this stuff, we actually just get it from the census. So the census has all the information you're ever going to need about market data. And what I like to use, and what I think is the most simple, is you go to their fact finder, and it allows you to just type in your city. It'll just have a column of all the different economic status and population and demographics, and they'll give you everything you need on the side. And you just click on what you want. If you wanted to do age and see what age and the vacancy rate, you can do that. It'll create data tables for you, and then you just click on the data tables, and it shows you all those facts, and it easily allows you to just export it all to Excel, and if you know how to use very, very basic Excel functions like sorting, then you should have no problem whatsoever sorting the data and figuring out what these five-year trends are. So for everything that I mentioned, we get all of it from the census. And that's census.gov. Census.gov, yes. And the only thing that's not easily found in the fact finder, the only thing that took me some time to find was the five plus permits created. But it's still on the census website. You just have to do a little bit of extra searching. And if you're interested in wanting a direct link to that, I'll just put a direct link to that one in the show notes for the podcast and on YouTube because that one took me a while to find. Now, something else that we look at as well are the overall yearly market data that certain companies put together. And it's just like a massive document that has focuses on commercial real estate and it'll focus on different markets, different types of commercial real estate, and just kind of talk about what they're expecting for the year and comparing it to last year and you know what markets are hot. And that one's very interesting too because it kind of compiles all the census data for all markets into one. And so if you're just starting out and don't necessarily know where to invest, you can go on there and kind of look at what the top markets are. What's there? So the two that we use are, it's called IRR.com. I'm not sure what IRR stands for, but they have a really good packet. And then we also use the Marcus and Millichap document. So these are like 100 page documents, but they have a lot of information and whether you're just starting out or you're trying to find a new market, I would definitely recommend reading those just in general. Just get an idea of what market data you should be looking at and what factors you should be looking at and how they calculate what markets are the best and what industries are up and coming and which ones are kind of going downhill and talk about loan stuff. And it's very interesting and it goes into extreme detail. Well, there you go. There's the answer. So the last question we had was about how to find money for deals. And we get that question a lot. And so if you go to our YouTube channel, just type in how to raise private money for your deals. We have like three or four videos on there. So this was a question by Jeff M. And again, this one we get a lot too. And we've got some YouTube videos on there that explain this. So just type in how to raise private money for your deals, either in YouTube or you can go to multifamily syndication.com syndication. and you'll find those there as well. Cool. Okay. And as far as getting our hand slapped. What was her? A Keone. A Keone. Keone sent us a message after last Friday's follow along Friday and Keone said something like, why don't you read it? A third of the show is talking about sports. At the sports end, was all caps, I think, too. <laughs> yeah. And at the end, there was a point, but Lord, it took forever to get there. I hear you. I hear you loud and clear. We got off track. I got a little excited about playing basketball against Theo and losing every time and trying to beat him. We got off track. This is a no-fluff show, so we will keep it focused on real estate, and it's always good to get constructive feedback because you could have worded it in a much meaner way, and I appreciate you (laughs) not saying it in a meaner way. I appreciate you being constructive about it, so I hear you. 
That being said, we're going to play after this. If you got the score then and who wins, then we're giving away a free book if whoever's the closest to the score playing the 13 went one by two. So just say who's going to win and the total score, and you'll get an autographed book or volume one and volume two from us whoever's the closest and we had a winner this past week Theo what was the score 13-8 Theo beat me last week 13-8 I'm getting closer and closer I beat him in horse and I got smoked on the last game 13-2 to <laughs> Two. oh god <laughs> so maybe I'm regressing who knows but I got a secret weapon coming up on this next I can't wait game. yeah I've been practicing okay anything else no do you have anything else you wanted to talk about I don't believe I do I hope you enjoyed the show best ever listeners have a wonderful rest of your week or weekend and we'll talk to you soon are you an investor who self-manages talks to your residents collects checks and handles all the day-to-day tasks well there's a better way best ever listener and guess what that better way is secure pay one secure pay one the landlord helper will have conversations over the phone with your residents whenever there's an issue and the residents can pay you directly so schedule your free trial and 30-minute session today at mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. That's mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. Ready to enter the minds of successful entrepreneurs and millionaires? Are you ready to excel in your entrepreneurial and investing journey? The new podcast, Before the Millions, studies phenomenal entrepreneurs and their path to millions. Journey through exclusive interviews, giving you all the secrets to mimic their successes, Listen and subscribe to Before the Millions podcast at beforethemillions.com. That's beforethemillions.com.